Linda and I were gone for a few Sundays, <clears throat> and while we were gone, uh, we went to church, and I made up my mind that whenever I went to church that I was not going to go, and I, I normally don't, but I would not go with a critical heart of anything or anyone uh, because it's something different than what I'm used to. So we went to church, and you go there, and you can't help but to perceive and see certain things. And so while I was there, the Lord was showing me different things uh, that were going on, and some were okay, and some is not what it should be. Now, sometimes we think that all Christians and all churches that are born again and, and so forth are basically all the same, and we take certain things for granted because we have it, we see it, we, we move in it, and it's, you know, the Lord moves here. Right before the service started, and this is not really related to what I'm teaching, somewhat so, but right before the service started, I was sitting there and I closed my eyes and I was just before the Lord and quieting my spirit. And then when the church service started, somebody said to me, okay, it's time to wake up, the service is starting, no time to sleep. And I thought, they thought I was sleeping. And so churches, what they have in God is different. See, there can be a famine of hearing the word of God. And, of course, that's in the Old Testament. We see that in certain places. But there also can be a famine of giving the word of God. And so if there's a famine of giving the truth, not just some sermon, the sermon that was preached was, was okay, it was fine, it was according to the word of God, but there was something missing there. If there is a lack or a famine of giving the word of God where the spirit is breathing, you know, when, when that's coming out, then there's going to be a famine of hearing the Word of God, and the people will not develop. So if the Word of God is not what it should be as far as the Spirit, the Spirit uh, bringing that forth and it containing Spirit and life uh, to minister to the hearts of the, of the people, then the people will lack. And if that's the case, then the individual Christian, the Lord is going to have to deal with them in other ways to try to bring the Word of God to them on a personal level. I want to share something related to the Word of God today. It says here in Proverbs that a wicked man hardens his face, but as for the upright, he or God establishes his way. And the word upright means, of course, righteous or just. But the basic meaning of the word upright means to go in a straight way. To go in a straight way. Well, what is a straight way? What does that mean? Now, in Psalm 40, 145, it says, The Lord is righteous in all his ways. He's upright. He's moving in the straight way, of course, and we're to follow in the straight way. 
Now, to walk in a straight way in the natural, do you know that you must have a point of reference? They've done research, and they found that if you blindfold a person, and not just walk like six, eight, ten steps, but if you blindfold a person and you tell them to walk straight, they may walk straight for a little while, but they will think they're walking straight, but they will actually be walking in a curvature manner. And so the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who believe not. Or another way to say this is if the God of this world blinds our eyes, it will be impossible for us to walk uprightly or it will be impossible for us to walk in the straight manner in which the Lord desires us to walk in because we do not have a point of reference. Now, still in the natural, this, this has been researched, and they say that people tend to walk in, this is strange, but they tend to walk in straight lines on sunny days, but on overcast days, they find that there's variations, there's curvature in there in the way, I guess because the sun, whether we realize it or not, is a point of reference for the body. That's what, the, that's what they say. Now you take that and apply that to the spiritual. Does it true in the spiritual? If you do not have the Lord as the point of reference in your life, you cannot walk in a straight manner, uprightly. You can't go in that way. So here I am, I was... Um, in church, and as I said, the message came forth, and it was based on the Word of God. It was fine, but it lacked the life, the spirit and life that it should. But still, the Lord wanted to use that. And at the very end of the, the sermon, the pastor said something about receiving Christ, and then he moved right on. And I wanted to, honestly, there was probably like 600 people there. I wanted to get up and say, <laughs> you know, I know I couldn't have done it, but I wanted to get up and say, wait a second here. Give the people time to respond, because there, were, there was people there that needed to respond to the Lord. There was no exhortation. There was no, uh, you know, emphasis upon coming and receiving Jesus Christ, th that basic thing. And so the word of God being preached and ministered, uh, you know, it, it is to do certain things. It's to give direction is one. But I want to look at some verses in Isaiah. We'll start off with this verse here. So even in the natural, we need a point of reference to walk straight. A tree, a, a rock. If you're, if you're out, not in, around so much where, the, well, you do too, but, but if you're in an area where there's no man-made structures, you'll use the sunrise, the sunset, a rock, a, a mountainside, whatever it may be, the horizon, and you'll fix your eyes upon that spot, and you'll begin to walk straight. So it is in the Christian walk, the eyes of our heart must be fixed upon Jesus Christ, 
if we are going to walk in a straight manner. And in um, one of the um, prophets, it talks about Israel, the Jews, and it says that, that they constantly walk in their own ways. And so there is a way that seemeth right to a man. There's a way that men can walk in, but according to the ways of God, those ways are crooked. They, there's a variation in their walk. So in Isaiah 55, verse 8, or let's go back to verse 7. Let the wicked or the guilty one forsake his way. See, the way he's going is not in a straight path toward the prize or the goal or toward the Lord. And the unrighteous man, let him forsake his thoughts. And that's saying quite a bit. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And the Lord says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. So the ways of God and the ways of man are different. And so, unless the Christian walk in an upright manner or walk in the straight way, there is never going to ever be any hope that he will begin to understand, walk in, or even come close to God's way. See, God says, your ways are not my ways. So you have the ways of God. Now, that does not mean that he does not want man to learn his ways and walk in his ways. Quite the contrary, the Lord does want you and I and every Christian to walk in his way. So are my ways higher than your ways. So the way of God, the ways of God are higher so that we have a reference point now when we see him, when he shows us his ways, now we can see that and we can begin to walk in a straight line or in a straight manner. Without seeing, there will not be uh, a, a straight walk. There will not be. And so he goes, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts and so forth. In Psalm 119, it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So to go in the straight way, we must be aligned. You know, just like your car. I mean, if your car, you ever had a car that swerved all over the highway or pulls to the right, you take it to the shop and they do a front end alignment. Well, that's not so far away from what the Lord wants to do with us. At times he must align us and he will align us to his word, align us to his thinking, align us to his ways, and, and so forth. In Psalm 119, verse 130, it says, The entrance of your word gives light. The entrance where? See, the entrance of, his God, of God's word into your heart. Uh, or the, the word entrance there actually means an unfolding. 
so the Spirit of the Lord will come, you know, through His Word or, or whatever he, he may do, and He will begin to unfold something to you, and you will begin to see. And as that enters into your heart, the entrance of His Word gives light. You'll understand, uh, you'll be illuminated, and because the Word is a light, you'll be able to walk. The Word is a light unto your feet, a lamp unto your path, and so forth. You'll be able to see, and you'll be able to walk. So there is to be, if the Christian is going to continue to walk in the straight path, there must be an unfolding, or there must be, they're, they're both true, both words are good, there must be an entrance of that word into the heart, and then you know we act upon that. Now, hold your place there, and uh, no, we'll, we'll wait on that. I was reading Psalm 119, and <clears throat> I find some words there. Maybe I should probably write these on the board. I don't know if I should. Or, I'll put them up here anyway. Because what we usually do, and sometimes it's okay, what we usually do is when we read a word in the Bible, we just assume we know what it means. And there may be different meanings of the word. Now, in Psalm 119, you'll see the law of the Lord. Do you know what word that is in, Greek, in, um, in Hebrew? Torah. The law of the Lord, you'll see that. You'll see the word testimonies. You'll see the word judgments. You'll see the word statutes you'll see the word precepts. Now, do you know those are different words? Do you know they're different Hebrew words? So you can lump them all into one if you want and, and say it's the word of God, and that's true. But each one has a spe specific meaning, and I find some of them, there's one in particular I want to actually look at this week that I find very interesting. I never really thought about it, and what have you, but it's the word um, precepts, but we'll get to that. So the word testimonies, is, is anybody going to write this down? If you don't, I, I won't put it up here. Okay, we won't put it up here. We'll let it go. Okay, the word testimonies means reminder or a warning sign. I'll give you two scriptures. Uh, go to John 6, and I'll read this from Zechariah. Zechariah 1.4, this is a testimony. Do not be like your fathers to whom the former prophets preached, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Turn now from your evil ways and your evil deeds. But they did not hear nor heed me, says the Lord. So this is a testimony, or it's a reminder to them, don't be like your fathers before you who did not listen to me and did not go my way. They went their own way. Or that is a warning sign. And you'll see this in various places in the scripture, where the, especially in the Psalms, where they'll talk about the testimonies of the Lord. Well, those are the reminders of the Lord or the warnings of the Lord for your benefit. That's the testimony of the Lord. Not that this, there's this testimony, you know, like we think of the word testimony. That's, that's something a little different. 
but in the scripture it's dealing with a, a warning sign or a reminder. In John 6, verse 58, Jesus gives a testimony here to the, to the Jews, and this testimony is uh, a reminder or a, a warning to them. So this is the bread which came down from heaven. He's talking about, you know, himself, what the, what the Father was sending. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead, he who eats this bread will live forever. So Jesus is giving them the testimony of the Lord here. So there's two examples. Now you have the word in Psalm 119, judgments or ordinances. And that is a verdict or it means to govern. So the Lord will give his judgment, and that is to govern the, the Israelites judicially. Uh, he gives his word or his judgment in Leviticus and in various areas there in the Old Testament. And it's to govern the actions of the people. So the Lord can come and give a judgment to me, and that will be to govern my life to have me to move in a certain way or to not move in something or to move whatever in something he's showing me. So that's his judgment in my life. And then once I see that judgment, then I move in that. Now, you can see this in the Old Testament very clearly. The Lord sets forth his judgments in certain things. And, you know, that's what uh, they were to follow. And one scripture in... Exodus 21, you don't have to turn there, I'll just read it. Exodus 21 says, He who strikes a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. So that's a judgment. He's saying, now, if you murder, the judgment is that you should be put to death. So now that's going to govern that whole area there of, of murder. And they were to, to follow through on that. So you have in the scriptures these different judgments that the Lord has set up. And I imagine that I would say he can come on a personal level and show you something in your life that's a judgment to govern your life. For example, when I first became a Christian, the Lord clearly showed me not to touch a drop of alcohol. So that was his judgment for me, and I lived by that. It's okay, that's no problem, whatever it is, you know, it's no big deal, it doesn't rule my life. And so, lo and behold, like seven years later, the Spirit of God came to me and says, okay, now you're allowed. Now, what he did at that seven years, I, I guess he took something out of me that he saw or whatever. I don't know. Nonetheless, that was a personal judgment that it was to govern my life. And so you have the laws, certain things that are written that actually govern our lives today. And so then you, you have that. And then you have what the, what the Lord can show you, or he can show you through his word, that is to govern you in your personal walk with him. That's to take control and to oversee what's going on in your life, to govern that. Okay, and let me read one verse from Psalms 19. Now, in Exodus 21, that's where I read that verse, 
there are judgments concerning, you can read it, concerning servants, concerning animals, concerning violence, concerning property, and so forth, morality. God gives all these judgments. And in Psalm 19, verse 9, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether, the psalmist says, David says. So David recognized that God's judgments are true, what's he say, are true and righteous altogether. Now, if we do not move with the judgments of God, so he comes and he says, okay, I don't want you to do such and such or whatever it may be, as I give you the example for me years ago. If I do not do that, I will never see that his judgments are true and righteous. And of course, there's been other things over the years the Lord has, has given me in his judgment, and I had to accept that. And I had to accept it sometimes when I did not understand the end of that, what that's going to produce, if it was going to produce anything. And so receiving the judgment of God, you don't see the end result of that right away many times. It may be years before you see that. But whenever you see it, you have the revelation of the process of what happened. Then at that point, you can say they are true and righteous altogether. I can say that. Okay, now you have um, another word used in Psalm 119, and that's statutes. The statutes of the Lord. That means a decree. But the basic meaning of the word, and I thought this was interesting, <laughs> The basic meaning of the word statutes means to engrave. And it was common, which I didn't know, it was common practice back then to engrave laws upon slabs of stone and put them in public places or put them where they could see them. Maybe that's where we got this in this country where they put the Ten Commandments in a lot of the buildings and government buildings and what have you, state buildings. The word statutes means that that law there, whatever it may be, is engraved in stone there for people to see. Or it's up, placed before someone in a way they can see it. Remember, Paul talks about, I think it's Paul, that um, about the Lord writes upon the heart of man. We are epistles read of all men. There is an engraving that he does. He puts the statutes of the Lord, or he engraves the statutes of the Lord in a person's heart. And so when they're out and they're wherever they may be, or maybe around family or neighbors or whatever, they may not even realize it, but because of their manner of living and because the Spirit of God has engraved something in their heart, that's there for people to see. And... You know, I, I remember one time I was at work, and I was just doing my job, walking around. I, I, was, I met this fellow. He was there for training from another uh, place in Pennsylvania. And I said a few things to him, nothing about the Lord, nothing religious, not, nothing. I said a few things to him, and um, he sat at the lunch table for five or ten minutes, and two days later, he came over to me and he says, he says, 
the light is just beaming from you. I thought, what's he talking about? I said, are you a Christian? He said, yes. He says, I can just see in your life. Well, you know, I was kind of just sitting there. <laughs> I said, where, where do you live? He says, Bradford, Pennsylvania. I said, you know, I know someone that passes a church up there. I said, his name's Phil Pelucci. He says, I go to his church. <laughs> so it's a small world. And uh, see, the Lord engraves in your life, and maybe all the people around you, no one sees it. Someone comes in, now they're going to look, and they see the statute of the Lord engraved in your heart. And then you have precepts. Now, this is the interesting thing, and I want to look at this this week. Does anyone know what the precepts of the Lord mean? Has anybody ever looked at any of this in the Bible? See, what's what we usually do? We just read through it. We read the words, and we don't take the time to say, well, what does that mean? We're going to lump it all together. Now, if you have a salad, you can put tomatoes and cucumbers and everything in together. You have a nice salad. But see, if you want to sit down and have an orange, you don't grab an apple, do you? See, an apple and an orange are different. Oh, you can put them all together and make a fruit salad, but still, an apple's an apple, an orange is an orange, a kiwi's a kiwi. They're all different, aren't they? So many times in Christianity, what I see is people take all the different words and they lump them all together and make a big salad out of them. They think, okay, just because I read it, this word means this because it means that in my mind. But it may not mean that. So it behooves us to study the Word of God or to hear someone who does study for you. Spend time and take the Word and look it up. I'm looking this, at this word here and I'm thinking, boy, this is an interesting word. The word precepts is a general term for the responsibility that God places upon his people. So when he gives a precept, he is giving responsibility to you. He's placing responsibility in that precept when he gives that to you, when, when you're there with him or whatever happens where the Spirit of God brings that precept to you, now he's bringing this responsibility to you, and, and that's, that's what the precept is. Okay, so the, the bottom line is that all these different things, they all give instruction and they all give direction. Instruction and direction. And so the heart of the individual is to be open to the Lord to all the various means of the word of God that he wants to bring to them. And as I, I said earlier, the law of the Lord... You know, we think the law of the Lord is what? I shouldn't say we think. The law of the Lord is the Bible. Well, in earlier times, because the word means Torah, it's dealing with the first five books of the Bible mainly, what people related it to. But the law of the Lord is something that is more broad than the first five books of the Bible. Which brings me to this point. What is the purpose for the Word of God? 
Now, you want to sit down, you want to read the Word of God. You come to church, you hear the Word of God preached. What is the purpose for the Word of God? That's kind of a, like a basic question. Did you ever think about it? What's the purpose for your Word? Well, to change me. Well, that's true. That's true. We hear that a lot, and that's really true. Of course it's true. But what's the purpose? Is that the, is that the purpose for the Word of God? Where are we going to learn the purpose for the Word of God? From the Word of God. Okay, let's look, let's look at the purpose of the Word of God, because we've been talking about the judgments, the precepts, the testimonies, and the statutes of the Lord. And the law of the Lord, the Torah, law, that's what the law of the Lord is, Torah. What's all this for? Well, let's go to Psalms 43. Now, I want you all to turn because I want you to see this. Psalm 43, verses 3 and 4, yes. Verse 3. Oh, send out your light and your truth. See, and his word is truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your tabernacle. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God. See, verse 4 says, to God. So the truth or the word of God, the purpose for that is to bring us to God. It is to change us and, and all that too, yes. But it is to bring us to God, to God, to God. Now, if you read Psalm 119, Psalm 119 deals, the, the, the majority, if not the whole psalm, I, I'm not, I didn't really look at the entire, it's pretty long, but I believe the entirety of it is dealing with the excellency of the Word of God. The, the psalmist, whether it's David or whoever it is, they're dealing with this, this thought of how excellent the word of God is. How good, how great, how gracious is the word of God. So go to Psalm 119, and let's begin at verse 1. Blessed are the undefiled, or blessed are the innocent, or blessed are those who are whole or wholesome. Blessed are the undefiled in the way, who walk in the Torah of the Lord, and that means the guidance or the direction. Not just the five, first five books. It's talking about the Torah means the guidance or the direction. That's the, like a basic meaning of that. Blessed is he who walks in the guidance of the Lord, or walks in the direction of the Lord. Remember, having the correct reference point. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies or his warnings, who seek him with the whole heart. So to walk in the precepts, the testimony of the Lord, to walk in the, the correct direction is going to take a seeking heart. Because, see, if I do not have a seeking heart for God, I'm not going to want to hear what he says, and I'm not going to want to walk in what he shows me. I'm not going to agree with 
or I'm not going to, to walk or do his judgments. So a seeking heart, I believe, is key to the testimony of the word of God or to having the word of God do in you and in myself what he desires it to do, to bring, it, bring us to him. Verse 3, they also do no iniquity, they walk in his ways. Who's he talking about? Those who seek after him with their whole heart. See, they're going to walk in God's ways. They want to walk in God's ways. I mean, they may be ignorant, but if they have a seeking heart, the Lord is going to do something in them so they will begin to see this is the way of God for me, and I'm going to walk in that. Verse 4, you have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. And that is what precepts mean. It's talking about the responsibility he places upon his people. So the psalmist says, you have commanded us to keep your responsibility, what you're giving, what you're showing us, the responsibility you're giving us. You're commanding us to keep that diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes, your degrees, your engraving. Then I would not be ashamed when I look into your commandments. And that word commandments is, is used for the instruction of a father to his son. See, so all these words are interrelated. They're all interrelated. Now, in order for us to walk in a straight path, we will have to be adjusted. Now, you hear Pastor Jim say this frequently, and I want to show you this in the Word of God. Now, I know that's truth when he says it. I've known this for years. But I really like to see it in the Word of God myself. I want to show you it in the Word of God so it reinforces what he says. So go to 2 Timothy. See, we are not going to go too far in God. We are not going to move. Well, maybe I should say, when I say it that way, let me say it this way. We will never be able to walk in the deeper way without the Lord coming and adjusting us. And if you walk with God for any length of time, you will know and understand the Lord has to do this. I mean, he adjusts you in your thinking. He adjusts you in your, in your direction you're going, you know, all different types of ways. But in um, 2 Timothy 3, 17. Well, let's go back to verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness or in, in the upright way, that the man of God may be perfect in the King James New King James says complete. But if you look and you study this word, I'll give you this from uh, Vincent's word study books is where I found this. This word complete here means to be symmetrically adjusted so that the Lord 
wants to adjust us to his will. He wants to adjust us to his way. He wants to adjust us in the way we are, are walking. Maybe we're going in one direction and he needs to just... This is the symmetry for you, just go this way. Now you, have, you need to go this way a little bit to get back in the straight and narrow, to get moving in this right way, in the upright path. So the Spirit of the Lord will do this with us many times. Of course, that is if we are willing. Now there are people who have gone... Uh, let's say that this away is the way. Now, you know, I guess there's some variation there that the Lord will allow, but if we get over a little bit, then he, he comes, he wants to adjust us. But if, if Christian, which this happens, if they get over here and they're starting to move out of the way, and the Lord comes in the way he comes to them, and he tries to adjust them, that may be... The further they, they move away from this upright path, the more difficult and, and the more, uh, I don't know the word to even use here, but the Lord has to deal with them more radically, where now they have to curve even further over to get back where they need to go. And in my experience, there are not too many who get far off that make adjustments. And it's not because the Lord doesn't want to adjust them. It's because they think they're okay where they are. And, and that becomes a deception. As I told you earlier, in the natural, you cannot walk straight if they put a blindfold. They've done research. You put a blindfold on a person and you let them go, their paths are like this. So the God of this world will try to blind the mind so that you will think, well, everything is okay, I'm fine here, I'm, I'm okay with this right here. The Lord may try to deal with the individual and show them so that he can adjust them, but it's just like everything else. If a person thinks they're right, who's going to convince them differently? It's, it's a rare thing that you can convince somebody otherwise, unless the Spirit of God is able to get through. So this whole thought here of being adjusted is, is seen here. That it says here, that the man of God may be adjusted, I'll use that word, and be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So to have the good works, and this word here, the good works is used, those two words, in various places in the Bible. You know, there are works and there are good works. Good works are those that proceed out, of course, from the Spirit of God, but there is a work done in the individual so that when the individual is in the work, you have the work and then the Spirit of God working on the individual in the work, and now you have the result of that, if, if they're cooperating with the work, is good works. So there are not as many good works as Christians think there are. I, that's my personal opinion. But there are works. You can go down to the soup kitchen, kitchen in Northside, and you could stand there and, and you know, serve Thanksgiving meal, and you're doing work. But see, if the Spirit of God is not upon my heart to go down there and do that, 
then who's benefiting? Well, the people there are benefiting because I'm doing good work. But uh, I'm thinking I'm doing good work. As far as my personal life, if the Spirit of the Lord is not showing me to do that or telling me to do that, then it does not benefit me at all. So the good works is having the Spirit of God working in the person's life, leading them in whatever it may be to do, and then doing that. Now, when all you have all that, you have good works. You have good works. And as I said, there are a lot of people who just decide they're going to go up and go to the mission field. I'm going to go here, I'm going to go there, because I want to do work for the Lord. Well, somebody else may benefit from that, but as far as your personal walk and development and what the Lord wants to do in your life, that may not be the case. So what is the precept? The precept is that you have the responsibility and I have the responsibility to hear the Lord and to walk in the Spirit. That's the responsibility. So that if I do that, or you do that, then all these other things, they, they take care of themselves. The works come out, the works are good works, and, and all this. You'll be adjusted to walk. You cannot walk in the Spirit for any length of time without the Holy Spirit coming to you in some way, shape, or form and bringing an adjustment, as I see it. And you say, well, where's that in the Bible? Well, all you need to do is look at the life of Moses. Remember, Moses killed an Egyptian. And after that, he went into the wilderness. What do you think happened there? Well, the Lord had to change his thinking. The Lord had to do some adjustments in his life. And then when the Lord comes and says to Moses, you know, I want you to go to Pharaoh. Oh, I don't want to Pharaoh. Well, what happened? The Lord had to adjust him. He had to change something there so that he would be willing to do the will and purpose of God. And so there are many examples in the Bible of men of God and women of God who the Lord had to, you know, deal with and bring them into this place where they stay where they need to stay. So remember, you, when you read these words, judgments, precepts, statutes, and so forth, they have different meanings. They have different meanings in the Bible. But mainly they're dealing with guidance and direction for you, for the Christian.